Welcome to the Goodies Pirate Podcast, episode 23, where this week we are talking about Hunting Pink, also known as Where There's a Will, or A Hunting We Will Go, or Tally Ho. So a few various names for that one. First broadcast on the 11th of February, 1973, a Sunday evening at 8.15pm. So very much Sunday evening family viewing for that one, or at least... Late family viewing. Mark, thank you for joining us again. Good to have you as a guest once more. Thank you for inviting me back. No, I hope you've um, hope you enjoyed the experience. Now, gentlemen, Hunting Pink, I want to start the conversation by saying, as you all know, there are some episodes of The Goodies that we've all seen many, many times because they're on DVD or they're on frequent repeat. There are others that sort of we've looked for. I don't reckon I've seen Hunting Pink for 25 years. Mm. And when I came to watch this episode for this podcast, I could remember the last scene... And I can remember that scene almost word for word, I must confess. The rest of it was a complete blank to me, complete utter blank. So I walked into this episode not knowing what to expect, and I walked out pretty happy. It's not a classic, but I laughed a lot of this one and really enjoyed it. Mark, you're our guest. What did you think? I thought it was okay. Again, I don't think Series 3 of the Goodies is particularly well remembered, is it, really? I didn't get many laugh-out moments in it. I look, I thought it was entertaining for the 25 minutes or whatever it was on. Okay, Richard? Uh, yes. I'm going to start by saying uh, I agree with you. It wasn't one that I have strong memories of watching on the ABC. I don't think it was on particularly high rotation here. I think the last time they would have shown it, they did a more or less complete run, I think, in the early 90s. But uh, So, again, it was an episode I hadn't watched for a long time. i got to be honest, I actually didn't get a lot out of this one at all. I didn't think it was particularly amusing. I, I'd actually say it was a bit interesting, actually. I thought it was weak because it, it has something, obviously, a very definite point it wants to make. And, and it's actually, strange enough, it's an episode that's probably actually still quite relevant because there is stuff in the UK, there is still that debate over fox hunting and blood sports that's right. in the UK now. So it actually still has something to say. And, and But no, I, I just, I, I don't know. I don't know whether it's an age thing or whether it's... Just because for some of the caricatures of the people and that, there's really no equivalent here in Australia. But no, I, I'm sorry, I didn't get a load of this one at all. Rob, am I on my own or did you not like this either? Well, like you, I came into this not having any recollection whatsoever of it until I started hearing those voices. And mm-hmm. then I was suddenly a six or seven year old boy back in the late 70s. And <laughs> it, it all come rushing back to me. I don't think it is as bad as Richard and Mark say, but I don't think it is a great episode. It's more a middling episode. Oh, I'm not saying that it's a classic or a top ten. No, no. I'm just saying that I really enjoyed it and I was laughing for a lot of it. Uh, look, I the bits that I enjoyed were the bits with the, with the three boys where they, they you know they put on the voice. Tim, I think, is very very good, especially at the start of the episode where he's you know he takes on his uncle's persona. I suppose he's playing that double role. But like Richard, I, I could see the point that they were making, you know, the, the, the anti-hunting sort of thing and the, and the, the caricatures of, of those people who, the country laws, the, you know, to the man of born sort of thing. The and landed then, gentry. Yes, it's not, a, it's not a classic, but there are some bits where I was sort of laughing or chuckling along at least. All right, well, some mixed views, Mark. I was just going to say that the hunting topic they had in this episode, did they cover that again in the Dodo episode? 
Yeah, they do to a point. Yeah. yeah. They take a slightly different stance on it, I think. I mean, it's still because Tim and Graham are both avid hunters yeah. who are going around bagging all sorts of rare and exotic animals. Mm. Um, Bill Fonds, the last dodo. Yeah. And then obviously spends the entire episode trying to protect it, even though the, the thing really wants its neck wrung. Well, it's because of the screeching. Yeah. But you're right, it is a topic that we go back to. Okay, okay, yeah. Yeah. Now, this opens with a slightly strange scene, which is Graham doing another variation of his wake up. Yes. yes. And you'll notice he's got his own bedroom. I was yes. just going to say, yeah. the first time we've actually seen their bedrooms. Mm-hmm. It's odd because the, the thing that I picked up on immediately was he's got a separate bedroom for whatever reason. But mm. I, I think. Having watched a couple of episodes ahead, then they go back to all sleeping in the same main office. So, look, I don't know why they, they, they went mm. down that path. I mean, it's just a small thing. And, of course, it is a reprise of, of him waking up with that sort of Rube Goldberg device, brushing his hair and doing his teeth and, and whatever. Tim obviously arrives in the full Grenadier Guards bearskin uniform, which leads to a what felt like a very dated joke about a guardsman or maybe he's after some fella. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. the sort of the pun on Butcher. Yes. yes. Yeah, which yeah. which was cut, which was when we get to what you couldn't get away with. Now, that, that little segment was cut here, so... Oh, really? Yeah. I think we need to sort of get straight into the episode, though, because they very quickly get to another of Tim's relatives, mm. great-uncle Butcher, mm. and... All his relatives appear to be wealthy. His aunt was well, wealthy. Yes. His uncle was wealthy. Well, I, I, I guess they're not. playing <laughs> with the whole Brooke-Taylor yes. idea. Yes. That yeah. He's clearly very upper-class mm. and, and posh. Mm. Yeah, so he has to work for a living. What did we make of this whole scene? The uncle, the characterisation? What did we think? I loved it. Yeah. I thought it was really funny. I thought, I mean, it must have been hell on his throat. Yes. But absolutely. the whole, you know, again, the character of this country gentleman and all that sort of thing, the, the, the job person, whatever, and the, you know, him he's flogging himself as he gets He's got his wife in the saddle, so he's got the wide stance happening. And, yeah. the, uh, and the butler coming in, uh, hitting the coconut hearts. Yes, which is pre Monty Python. I was about to say, yes. Free the Holy Grail. Oh, God nice. damn you, Monty Python. Yeah, okay. pre, pre-Python. I thought that was really well done, the whole scene where he comes in and he's, he, he's just playing that character, sort of inside the character. And I think you're right what you said earlier, Rob. Done badly, that whole thing could have completely flopped. But Tim Brooke Taylor just hits, I think, exactly the right note in terms of the way he does the voice, the way he does the characterisation. The one thing I will say, however, is that the audience is completely disconnected from what's going on in that scene. There are very few laughs from the audience. Now, I wonder if that's to do with the way it's filmed. Yeah. Because I was going to talk about this later, but we can talk about it now. There's a very obvious split-screen moment where Tim shakes hands with Tim. Yes. And then it's really obvious that all of Tim... The guardsman is Tim is the guardsman, and, yes. and there's cutting in between Tim yes. and his uncle. That's yeah. right. They've, they've clearly taken shots of Tim yeah. just reacting yeah. and cut them in. Yeah. So I wonder if that's why it's a little bit disjointed for the audience. I thought it looked all right, actually. Oh, it works. But okay. I think from an audience point of view, that yeah, it's probably not working as well. So I certainly enjoyed that. I'm not quite sure what everyone else thinks. Mark, anybody notice the butler? Uh, yes, Eric Chitty. Yes. yes. Now, this is actually Eric Chitty making the first of three appearances in The Goodies. Yeah. Uh, he turns up in a couple more episodes. But I had a look at his credits. Now, mm. this is a guy whose IMDb finishes at 1977, but it goes back about 50 years before then. There's stuff like Jabberwocky, Basil Brush, Dad's Army. Uh, he was in two Doctor Who stories. He was in the BBC's famous War and Peace adaption. Yeah. There's, there's a real variety of just... As I say, everything from sort of Battle of Brass Brush and Dead's Army right through to Fall of Eagles, War and Peace. He's been in a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah, two Doctor Who's. He did three goodies. So very much a regularly in-work actor. And he would have been well into his 70s by the time he was recording this as well. So 
But yeah, I thought he did a very good job as the butler. Yeah, I thought it was good. Yeah. It was a very dry performance. Very dry. Yeah. yeah. Which suited the time because everyone else is over here, up here, and he's sort of down he's here. Going on, yeah. he's shaking his head a lot, yeah. The timing is, is absolutely correct. Yes. And to get somebody like that playing that role with exactly the right timing in between the sort of over-the-top stuff that yes. Tim's doing mm. is really good. There's a bit also where we see Tim as his uncle and then Bill and Graham come back in, also now dressed as country gents. Yes. And they do almost a, a version of the four Yorkshiremen sketch, or the four Northerners sketch, where they That's sit true. there and they were born and you have to, oh, I was born, I broke my leg. I broke both my legs. And they go sort of back in and rise to you But of course they then subvert the whole thing by going, you're talking a load of rubbish. <laughs> and, and admitting that, it, that it's all crap. Now we then get into the first montage, I actually thought this was, if, if there's a weak part of the episode yeah. for me, mm. it was this. There were a couple of good mounting the horse gags, yeah. but mm. by the fourth or fifth iteration... Yeah. My note here was both the film sequences were really both kind of too long. This, this one yeah. particularly, because, yeah, they have several guys that put him on the horse. Yeah. yeah. And then you sort of then go into that rather bizarre chase. Although I made the note here, they goodies themselves must have been working really hard when they filmed this because when you look at how far they've actually run at fairly full pace, because to get sort of four or five seconds of running at double speed, mm. you've actually got to cover quite yeah. a few hundred metres to get that, that footage well, in. Well, at one point, this, this, one of the boys is running and he's actually keeping ahead of the horses. Yes, yes, I don't yes, yes. I was just thinking, he must be bowling along at a great yeah. rate of knots. Yeah, that must be a real sprint. Yeah. Oh, well, good on him. Yeah, no, it was actually quite impressive to watch. I thought it improved as we actually get into the hunting, but I also made the comment there that it is an incredibly sanitised version of fox hunting. Mm-hmm. And it's got that, almost that romantic idea of the fox hunting being the landed gentry dressed up in the hunting pink on the horses, when the real hunting is actually all about the dogs and the rabbit and the fox and everything. Yes. Else. That's where the blood sport actually well, comes into. Well, they do allude to that later when, when we make that rather strange joke about Tim's fiance. Yes. Where they talk about blooding her, which is, of course, that traditional thing with, with new initiates into the hunt. They, they would blood them and, and whatever. So... I mean, I, I don't think they could have gone any, into any more uh, graphic no, detail in no. a family show. But it did... I did note that for a show that is clearly trying to be anti-fox hunting, it was a very sanitised presentation. And that yeah. perhaps does detract somewhat from the point they're trying to make. Yes. Because it's the more romantic version than it is the reality. Yeah, absolutely. But then poor old Great Uncle Butcher dies. He gets a little bit too excited <laughs> about his last kill. <laughs> and I must admit, this kind of, not impressed me or anything, but just when I was sitting there going, is this episode going to be this for another 20 minutes? And then they've killed off the uncle. I thought, oh, great, they're going in a different direction and they're actually turning the episode around a bit. And it's interesting because that's the bit where you think actually the ad break would come in. Probably yes. where he yes, dies exactly. or where they bring him back on the pole. Yes. But, yes. Anyway. That, that, that pole's actually a very funny visual gag as well. <laughs> Any other thoughts on the montage sequence before we go into the second half? At this point in the series, are these montage sequences becoming a bit laboured? Or am I being too harsh? As I said, I found the first one particularly dragged on too long, and it was primarily because of the getting the uncle on the horse jokes. Mm. Are the outside broadcast sequences a crutch for the writing? I mean, you obviously just have to come up with a variety of interesting sight gags, but not funny lines. Yeah, I wonder if it's to an extent that, and also to an extent they feel an obligation to do it, because that's part of what they're known for. So they feel they've got to put that in, whether the episode needs it or whether they've got something to do or not. I'm not sure, because as Richard's alluded to, I think the second one is actually very good. Mm. But this one just 
it wasn't bad. It just was too many iterations of the same thing. Yes, it'll be interesting to see as we progress through the series whether the outside broadcast sequences uh, diminish or are done away with completely. I I probably overall with the series, I think for me my favourite episodes of the Goodies are probably more the track with nowhere to go ones where it's just the three of them in the studio playing off each other. Mm, yeah. I, and I actually think that's probably where the goodies really starts hitting its stride. I, I think we, we haven't really had any iterations of that yet. No, no, I would agree. No, fair enough. So we get into the second half, which starts with Tim deciding he's going to take his great-uncle's place and he doesn't need the other two anymore and there's a few tears as they all part company and beg for a job. Yeah, so actually, uh, at a point of this was that Graham Garden runs towards Tim Book Taylor and slides on the rug. Yeah, yes. And Bill Odia and Graham just are trying to hold it together. They yeah. just manage, yes, they manage yes. it. But yeah, that was a really nice touch to that see where they didn't cut it, they just let it go. No, I, I too picked up on that mm. almost accident. And, and Bill, he does that actually. You see him in previous episodes where someone's, they made a mistake or there's just something, and he nearly, nearly, nearly loses well, it. Well, you watch him here, he actually puts his hat in. Yeah, he does. He does. He's <laughs> very good to do some prop. Perversely, I found that one of the more funnier moments in the episode. But anyway, that's just well, the, because of the natural humour of the, the goodies is coming through there, yeah. isn't it? We get to the breakfast sequence, which I must admit I quite enjoyed. I think it was just long enough to have a few good gags. Yeah, trike on a table. I mean, falling through that table, you think OHSS, you would, ne- oh, you would no never way. get away with that. Well, where does the whole days? end in the real table begin? <laughs> yeah. Bill's head in relation to it all. That's right, but it, I, I really like that breakfast sequence, actually. And one of the, my favourite bits, and it's a tiny little bit, is when he gets the egg and he's got the ping pong bat. Yeah. And you think, okay, they're going to do a joke about using the egg as a ping pong thing. Yeah. And, yeah. and all it does is just explode, <laughs> explode and splatters all over him. They kind of subvert what they're going to do. And that whole sequence, the funniest bit I found was the coffee spurting onto yeah. Tim's crotch. And Tim, you know, he's got that deep voice. That he's, and then he, his voice just sort of changes slightly and goes, oh, I've wet myself. <laughs> and I know, look, it's toilet humour in, in a way, but I, I thought that just that subtle variation in his voice made that particular oh, hit, the, made the joke and, hit. And interestingly enough, that one really hit with the audience as well. Yes. That, I think, got the biggest audience laugh, I think, of the whole episode. Mm. Yes, which just goes to show what the audience is probably really after. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, I guess if you're watching something like that performed live, that's a very obvious visual gag that you can actually yeah. see. And, and, and it's tied well because because of the colour of the coffee or whatever they're using for coffee, you can actually see it being pumped through that pipe oh, yes. all the way down yes. the table. So it does actually build the anticipation yes. for a few seconds, yeah. yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Tim then starts to go a little bit strange. And we then get the stuff with the wife. The infamous wife. Now, I, oh, look, yeah. I, I've enjoyed this episode so far. Yes, a couple yeah. of it's been a little bit laboured. If anything didn't land for me... It's the stuff with the wife. Yes, I get there's, there's one line about she's trying on her new wardrobe, but why she's then a wardrobe for the rest of the, the, rest of the yeah, episode. And, and the wardrobe actually changes height too because when she comes yes. in at ankle length yeah. and then when they're out running around in the hunt, it's actually at waist length. For the second bit, Tim's fiancé, deep breath, the Honourable Lady Amanda Barrington Phipps, Ponsonby, Ponsonby, Paddington, Waterloo, Charing Cross, Crew, Alexandra, Accrington, Stanley, Dave D, Dozy, Beaky, Mick, and Tish Carruthers, Carruthers, Smythe Jr. <laughs> Known to her friends as Big Knockers. <laughs> and just like uh, Tim Book Taylor, you needed a cue card for that. Yeah. Because he was reading it off a cue card, and you can just see him with eyes going from left to right, trying to get all those... Uh, Dave D, Dozy, Beaky, Mick and Titch were a, a reasonably well-known UK yeah. band. Yeah. Um, yeah, they had The Legend of Xanadu is one of theirs. And, and the song, 
Bend it. Bend it, bend it, just a little bit. Dun, 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 oh, sorry. Dun, dun, that was a cheese head. Okay. But the rest of it is uh, stations in... Yeah, it's, it's, well, well, it's obviously names and then stations, stations on whatever line. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take a different take to you, Dave. I thought the whole, she's wearing a wardrobe and the visual, I found that quite funny. Okay. Just the poor actor, I suppose, it's a fellow holding up the wardrobe. I thought the horse stumbling around. I, I just I, I enjoyed the visual of it quite but a lot. But then they sort of, as I said, you have the joke about you know, she's trying on a new wardrobe, and then you get okay, you get a laugh from that. But then they go out on the hunt, and it's still a wardrobe. <laughs> Look, we're not we're not looking for narrative plausibility or comprehensibility. In the show. I, I, I a sequence of jokes, and I thought that person wearing a wardrobe in that truck, I don't know, trying to get on a horse or or just being chased around. I thought it was funny. But that's just me. Well, that's fair enough. I did enjoy the whole name gag. I thought that was a very you know, nice take on those upper-class names. And although the pun or the, the, the nickname is a little bit crude, I think that from what we read of the way the aristocracy works, you know, you read some of the background stories of when Kate Middleton, for example, first became involved with the royal family and some of the names that Prince William's friends and peers called her. You can kind of see that that, that actually is quite reflective of the nickname, the humour right. of that sort of aristocracy. Well, I yeah, no, I thought I thought... But both are both a very good joke, or a couple of jokes, but actually I thought made a point and was quite satirical in some ways, perhaps more so than we realised, or maybe they were just lucky. Uh, they move on then to the second... Well, they do the hunt, because Tim yeah. then says he wants to turn this place into a hunting... hunting. Yeah, the, the nastiest, bloodiest hunting place in the whole of England or yeah. whatever. Yeah, which leads us on to the second montage, montage mm. which I thought was the funny of the second. Mm. And again, the point was about Tim's running with the horses. Yeah. Absolutely incredible work yes. he must be doing. Mm. Although the bit with the Indians... Yeah, I didn't get that. That, that just comes out of nowhere. Yeah, it's just like we need to finish this episode there, there's off a, Well, there's a guy, I mean, like, there's a bit where they obviously sell the horses to the Indians at the start when, when the riders will get thrown. Yeah. And then all of a sudden the Indians just come back in and, and chase the... That was bizarre. I didn't yeah. understand but, that. But surely that's from a generation that's used to going to the Sunday Western and seeing the Cowboys yeah, and Indians. I think that's what And it so anything, anytime you see people on horses, nine times out of ten, it's Cowboys and Indians. Yeah, so yeah, I, okay. I guess that's where yeah, it's close, though, but yeah. I just, I just thought it was a bit strange. But there's a joke, does it work for you? No. No, okay. I, I, no. Well, I, I didn't actually see there was a joke there. No, really. no I just thought, why are these Indians? Yeah. It's just a, 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 trying to resolve the episode, but yeah, it's really unsatisfactory, in my opinion. Anyway. All right, well, we then get into the final sequence, which, like I said at the start of this episode, is the one that I, I think I remembered word for word, even 25 years later, which is the aversion therapy moment. Oh, yes. <laughs> The highlight of which, surely, well, in my book anyway, is the look that Billotti gives when Graham says, now, if you say something, we're going to do something to you. And Bill pulls out the mallet and said, and these are a clue. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's that wonderful Bill moment of just a look of absolute carnage in his eyes, yes. you know, bloodlust in his eyes. There's a promise of violence. Yeah. And, and Graham playing the psych thing very very well they go through the gag of popping the buttocks yes. smashing yes. up the wardrobe yeah and um, giving him the throat spray to uh yep. to fix his voice mm. and then going to i thought it was a really effective ending of the episode really effective i wouldn't get it. I, I actually thought it was a bit flat really yeah i, I just found i mean the episodes you've you've given me the white has noticed that the endings don't really 
resolve itself. Really they don't really land. Yeah, it's a sort of whimpers more than well, the, like well, the well, final. Well, obviously he's cured and they go back to life. I mean, he presumably still winds up with his uncle's money in the in the house and everything. Presumably, but they still can't manage their money. They're always broke, can't they? <laughs> Mark, Mark, do you find that your enjoyment of a, an episode in studio is keyed into how the audience reacts? I think that might be it because I've because again, yeah. the second uh, might have been filmed at exactly the same time mm. on the same night as yeah. The earlier stuff, yeah. I suppose. They're not really into it at all. No, it's just quite flat. No, there's a long sections there where the audience really don't seem to be reacting. As I said, I, I think the biggest laugh in the episode is Tim getting sprayed with a coffee. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think. Which is interesting, because you wonder what, what are the audience expecting when they go to a recording? Obviously, not that. Very fairly basic crude jokes. Probably I more guess slapstick so. stuff, perhaps. Yeah, slapstick, yeah. that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, yeah. maybe. Maybe they were sort of more thinking, oh, I watch more of the two Ronnies, and yeah, I don't know. All right, any other general thoughts before we get into our segment? I did have a note here that this actually would have been potentially quite a uh, costly episode to film, I think, with a number of extras and, and having probably had to go and hire the horses. Okay, with that we'll move on to our regular segments. Now, normally our reg- first regular segment would be ads, but yes. this kind of brings us into our first. firsts as well. Richard, do you want to comment on this? Well, there is no ad break. And this is the first episode where there is no ads. I missed it. You missed it? I like the ads, yeah. Well, as I said, I, I thought there would have been a, a really obvious break for one, probably either when the uncle expires, or where they're, just after where they carried him back on the pole. Yeah. Where they, they're normal, I'd say that's yeah. probably where the ad break normally would have been. It's also another first. Anyone have any others? Because I've got a second one. No, don't. Yeah, it's actually, it's the first time we hear the run song. Ah, yes, I've actually got it written down here. So, good, yeah, running with the wardrobe on. Yes. That, was, uh, that was in the second outside broadcast yes. And yes. I actually made a note to that to say that, well, it's a classic piece of music associated with it. It is. The interesting thing is, it's actually only in about four or five episodes. Really? Yes. It's by nowhere near as ubiquitous as the Needed song. And actually, we missed the Needed song when we did Kit and Kong, because Kit and Kong, the mantra of Kit and Kong, is actually the last time they used the Needed song. We don't hear it anymore. Oh, that's what it's about. Yeah, exactly. Thank goodness for that, yeah. I, okay. I, I did make a note that I hadn't realised that it was the first time we saw it run, but I did make a note that it actually worked far better here than I remember it working in most other episodes, yes. which is clearly reflective yeah. of the fact that yeah. it was written for this one. Yeah. Yes. Well, I yes. thought Run appeared in more than that. No, and that's the thing, because I, I think it, it, it is, I think, probably the song that everyone associates with the goodies. So I yeah. assume that the episodes that they fe- it features in are the ones that were on highest rotation. Probably. Yes, so you say. I mean, look, I remember uh, the band Spiderbait did a version. I don't know whether that helped with popularity. <laughs> no. But, uh, well, they said, actually, that there's no, because there's no sheet music, I don't think, for it. And they said the way they got it was they just listened to it again and again and again until they got the chords. Mm. Wow. Yeah. I had a couple of other tropes to go in there with our first. It's another mention of our He's Gone Looney. Yes. yes. It's another of Tim's relatives, which by now is becoming quite a trope. We'll see some more of them. As well, there's one more. Yep, we made his uncle in Camelot. That's right. Now, is this the first time we see the pantomime horse? Yes, yes, because yeah, because Black and White yeah. Beauty appeared in later on, so yes. Yeah, and there's a couple of others where the horse turns up, so yeah. I wasn't expecting that. No. And yeah, I made a note here about Run working very well, and yes, we confirm um, that that is a first. I guess it's also, I mean, it's a trope. It's also one of the trio turning bad, and the other two having to um, having to team up to stop them. <laughs> That's and true. It's, it's probably quite a rare example actually of Tim turning. I think. Yes. Mm. Most of the other ones are usually Bill Graham. Bill Graham, yeah. 
True, although I think it's Tim in Way Outward Bound in a few weeks' time, isn't it? Oh, right, the end he does. True, yeah. true. I'll we'll save that for when we get there. I just will make a point that with the Panama horse that if it, it's Bill at the at the back end, isn't it? Yes. And he's holding Tim up for an extended period of time. Yes. <laughs> Bravo to Bill. Yeah. <laughs> Tim's not a small boy. No. no. Yeah, there was definitely a lot of physical activity. Yes, as there always together. is in these episodes. Yeah. It's, it's just remarkable. Yeah. It's not the sort of thing that you would see now in comedy. No. But they're giving their all. And then some. No, well, I mean, there, there is that, uh, I think we touched on it in Kitten Con, there is that thing, I mean, that the exercise in the pets thing, the, the bit of fluff yes. in for the kitten. He wrote it for Ronnie Barker, Ronnie Barker said, there's no way anybody could do this, it's far too physical. <laughs> so they gave it to Tim. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, what couldn't they get away with today? Uh, Bill touching the... Uh, the maids? Yeah, the maids' uh, bottom. That's the pure 76 fast, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, very much so, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I had that too. Actually, yeah. I did notice that one of the women was, as they say in the common parlance today, really working it. She was really, you know... Swaying. Swaying is the word we should be... Yeah, and the other girl just had just walked in, but I noticed that. Cause yeah, that, 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 that whole sequence was very 70s. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anything else? I actually had a point here, and I said right at the start it was relevant. I don't know whether you'd really do an episode like this now. It's probably not on what you wouldn't get away with. I just don't know whether this is a subject perhaps you'd really touch on now. Yeah, I made a similar note. The, the, the hunting debate really came to a head in the late 90s, early 2000s. Mm. Fox hunting, or sorry, hunting with hounds was banned in Scotland in 2002 and England and Wales in 2005. It still remains legal in Northern Ireland, though. Didn't David Cameron say that he was looking at overturning that? Yeah, so David Cameron did say that in his second term they would have a free vote on whether to overturn it or not. Mm. Now, that hadn't happened at the time that he lost the leadership. So whether Mrs May plans to uphold that or not... I get the feeling it's one of those things. There are some on the conservative backbench who feel very strongly about you know, the history and the tradition of the fox hunting. They probably need to have a free vote to express their views. Mm-hmm. I don't know that in modern day Britain there's widespread support for bringing it back. I wouldn't expect there to be. Mm. It's amusing. No, it's it's yeah, it is amusing because the vast majority of people who are against it are in the cities and would never have sort of been anywhere near that sort of thing. And yet the people who well, the thing is, we do it are a, a tiny, tiny minority, and it's not as if you know that the herds of foxes out there are being culled left, right, and centre. I think no, it's and, and they can still go out and hunt and do the whole horses mm. dressed up thing. They just can't take bloodhounds with them and rip, rip no, the fox to pieces. Yes, they do it as, as either pre pre um, sentence oh, yeah. Lewis and that sort of yeah. stuff. They're, they're effectively vermin. I mean, they're certainly vermin here in Australia. Well, the thing is, fox hunting is actually technically it's actually legal here in Australia. And it is, particularly here in Victoria. Well, we should get ourselves some horses and a couple of dogs. Well, let's, let's get out there. Let's get the horses going. <laughs> when it was screened here in Australia, I think we've picked most of these already. There were, there were three cuts here. The bit about uh, Tim being after some fella and the pun on, on Butcher was cut here. There was also the bit about Tim's fiance. I'm not going to do the name again, but Tim's fiance being known as Big Knockers. That, that was cut here too. And the third one is a really bizarre cut. It's the bit where Tim's just taken over from his uncle and he says it's in our blood and in our bums because he's now got the yeah. large. And the thing is, they actually, and the ABC for some reason, all the Australian censors, kept the joke but cut the audience laughing at it. <laughs> <laughs> that would be more work, surely. Yeah. God, just, God bless just, the ABC census. It's just it's bizarre. And do we know how jarring those edits were? Because sometimes you can really notice the cuts. 
Do we remember, have any remembrance of how the ABC was edited? I, not, really. not for this one, no. no. Okay. It depends on something like, if you watch the Commonwealth Games, they're mm. really obvious mm. where, where it's been cut yeah. around that sex test. Yes. So it's really obvious where those cuts are. Has this uh, episode made it to DVD? No. 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 No, no the only season three one on DVD, I think, is New Office. Okay, gentlemen, our favourite gags. I look. I went for the the, the Graham's um, butcher than what at the at the start. I, I just, that just tickled my fancy. I don't know why, but it did. I had two. I had oh, Graham slipping on the rug and Bill eating his hat to try and stop himself from laughing. Um, it's not really a joke. The other bit that actually I did get a laugh at was where they're, they're, they're slightly going to go and stop the hunt and Graham just, he's so excited and so frantic and he can't talk and he's just gesticulating. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I got a real laugh out of that. It's a very good segment, yeah. That is really good. He does that really, really well. Yeah, yeah. I like the bits where Bill and Graham are dressed up as the rabbits. Graham Garden does a, a fantastic uh, sooty-like impression. Yes. Of the in the tree. <laughs> yes, which I'm sure we do get to see uh, Graham's sooty skills come to, uh, to the fore later on. But I did think they, the, the guys dressed up as the rabbits were, were actually a lot of fun, uh, and the whole visual gags around that. My favourite was a little interplay between Tim and the others just after he's decided he's going to take on this lifestyle, where he says, "We're going to get married and breed horses. That's impossible." You haven't seen her. <laughs> uh, really funny line that just delivered so well. And for me, that encapsulated the whole episode. I thought, look, it's not their greatest episode. I, I don't, you know, I'm not going to push that. But I laughed a lot. All the stuff that you guys have identified, a lot of the sequences. Yeah, okay, it was probably a few minutes too long and a few bit dragged down in places. But I laughed a lot in this episode. And frankly, coming after what I thought of New Office last week and my little diatribe on that, I thought this was a return to form by the goodies. And I'm looking forward to more episodes. Any other final thoughts, gentlemen? I, I just find, I found it amusing throughout. Not the greatest episode. Tim doing the two-finger salute is actually, that could have been one of the, a, a trope that we've uh, not seen before. Well, that, that's actually based on, a, that is based on an historical event. Oh, yes. Which is, there was a show jumper who did that and gave the two-finger salute to the commentary box. Okay. And, and actually was disqualified for it. Huh. And then it was, it was overturned on appeal. Okay. But that, yeah, that does have a historical precedent. I enjoy it. There you go. Well, Mark, thank you for coming along and joining us for this one. We'll thank you, guys. Have you back in a couple of weeks' time. Look forward to it. Thank you very much. But for everyone else, I hope you enjoyed this, and you can join us next week with Winter Olympics. But... Uh, and now it's time for a walk in the Black Forest. You've been listening to the Goodies Pirate Podcast, the Australian podcast that puts the good in goodies. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please do leave us a review on iTunes. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode or your thoughts on upcoming episodes. So please drop us a line by email at pirategoodiespc at gmail.com. Send us a tweet at at pirategoodiespc or find us on Facebook at facebook.com stroke pirategoodiespc. Goodies, goody, goody, yum, yum. an announcement. My lords, hey ladies, and gentlemen, I am going to get married. What? Who to? The Honourable Lady Amanda Barrington Phipps, Ponsonby, Ponsonby, Paddington, Waterloo, Charing Cross, Crewe, Alexandra Accrington, Stanley, Dave D, Dozy, Beaky, Mick and Titch, Carruthers, Carruthers, Smythe, Junior. Known to her friends as Big Knockers. (laughs) 